Yeah, I've, um, I've been at SCUM for a while. I've seen a lot of the changes happen. We've, I'm, if you've been here for a while, some of you used to come a long time ago and are now coming back. It's quite different. We've gone through different um, phases of SCUM. So I'm happy to be a part of it all. I really am. Um, yeah, Steve said that we are looking for a pastor. We're kind of, if you're new here, um, there's a few of us on staff, and um, we are looking for a head pastor, uh, which has been weird. It's different. Um, we kind of don't know what to expect most of the time. Um, I'm not like a uh, organized person by nature. I, um, I don't like logistics most of the time. Uh, it's hard for me to come and think about all the little boxes that need to be checked. Um, I, you know, but I could sit and have coffee and talk with you all night. That's my favorite part about doing church, you know? Um, so, yeah, we are in transition. Um, my role currently is um, family ministries pastor, which is just a title. You could call me anything you want, really. Um, I just love Jesus, and I love people, and I love being here. I love that I get to be here. So um, I am just another person, <laughs> um, and I just want to try my best to share uh, God's heart and what I think he's depositing into me and what I think he's depositing into us here at SCUM. So, um, yeah, I... Um, let's see, I have, just to give you some context, I want to tell you, because I see some new faces, so I want to tell you who I am a little bit, but, um, I'm a mom of two kids, they're very different, I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old, my five-year-old is a rule follower to the T, to the T, my three-year-old is not, in fact, she is often defiant, um, and I have to chase after her, and she never, almost never heeds my word. Um, kind of like how it, it was when I had a puppy, you know? Like, I think there's something about, with dogs, you know, you have to have a very firm, strong voice. And I'd just be like, stop it! Come here! No! Stop! And he just never listened to me. But as soon as my husband would say, no! He'd just stop what he's doing. So... My daughter's kind of like our, our old puppy, you know. She chews on things. Um, I'm sure this will embarrass her later, but she's not here, and she may not listen to it for years to come. But she is the type that has to feel things with her mouth. Um, the other day, she had got a little pee on the seat, on the, on the toilet seat, and she just put her hand right in it and licked it. Just didn't even hesitate and just said mom I ate my pee and I was like why and immediately I think why are you doing this to me why and she's just so she's so crazy she's so crazy and I I'm, I'm sure I had a point to this but maybe it'll come back um but I am just my life is so messy 
but it's also so ordinary and mundane and really quite boring most of the time. But I have this tendency to want big things, you know, like especially within the church. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want church to be boring. I don't want it to be ordinary. I want to go. I want people to be transformed. I want the lame to walk, the blind to see. I want to see, like, big stuff. And that does happen. But not all the time, right? Sometimes it's just, like, kind of boring. You know? Kind of seems ordinary. You know? And, and I think God is, like, teaching me and showing me, like, that there's something beautiful in the mundane Like, we can worship him in the ordinary and in the boring. It doesn't have to be this big thing. And he can do things in the small things. Be faithful with the little. Be faithful with the little. You know? Um, So I kind of wanted that. This this is my go-to, right? But my life is so boring and so ordinary. And sometimes my daughter eats, you know, things that she shouldn't eat or whatever, right? And then it gets a little bit exciting and I'm like, ah, you know, a little chaotic at times. Um, but it's mostly just this tending, this constant tending, this routine, you know, this everyday kind of structure. And this week, um, I've talked about this with you guys in the past. Um, you know that my father-in-law passed away last January. Um, he was diagnosed with cancer, really rare, aggressive type of cancer. And so when we found out, we just left and we just went and we just lived with our family all under one roof Um, because that seemed like the thing we were supposed to do. Um, And so this was the year. On Thursday marked one year that he's been gone. Um, We call it his homecoming anniversary, you know, that he went to be with the Lord. Um, So we went to Tennessee this past week to be with family, and I didn't know what to expect. I thought, you know, it's going to be messy, it's going to be hard, people are going to be like a blubbering mess, like, you know, all these, it's so hard when you lose a loved one, it's like the first, it's the year, the first year is always the hardest, because it's always like the first Easter without them, the first Christmas without them, you, you know, you think of them on their birthday, you think of them on your birthday, you think of them, you know, for all these things remind you of them. And so I didn't know what to expect. But I, I admit that I did have somewhat of this expectation that it would be kind of this big thing, that we would memorialize him and, and honor him and respect him. And we would, you know, we'd all like stand up and say, you know what I remember about him the most? You know, and just like it would just be this really sweet time together. I, I kind of had that expectation. And it, and it was, we had moments of that, and you know, grief comes in waves, so there's times when you're just like doing the dishes and you're just crying, you don't even know why, you know, there's just something small that reminds you of something. Um, and so we had sweet moments, but it wasn't anything like I thought it would be. In fact, it was quite ordinary, quite boring. We watched um, some baking competitions, really fun exciting. Um, Maddie pooped her pants like 600 times, um, which was, I was like, what the heck? You know, this is like me constantly like doing the like motherly thing and just like, hold that thought, hold that thought, hold that thought. Like I I never finished one single conversation with anybody. (laughs) 
because I was just tending, doing this, you know, though chaotic at times, quite boring things, you know? Um, yeah, and so I just, I, I can't help but think that God is doing something in my life, and, and, and that's what I want to share with you tonight, you know, of like, um, what does it look like to worship God in the mundane, in the boring days, when things aren't exciting? Um, and, and, and as I, I was reading, we, we've been doing the Isaiah 53 for two months, like Steve said, um, and everyone's kind of taken it a different direction. We've had different, you know, preachers up here every week. Um, some have kind of camped on certain verses. Um, some have um, broken it down more. Some have, it, like, it inspired them to read another verse or another passage. Well, this passage reminds me of this one, which reminds me of this one. It's been really great. We've had, like, quite a variety um, and different commentaries on this chapter. Um, but I, as I was thinking about it and as I was reading on it, the thing that kept coming up was the suffering servant. The suffering servant. Isaiah 53 as the suffering servant, talking about Jesus being this suffering servant. Um, this phrasing just everywhere. All my devotionals, all the commentaries, that's just what kept coming up. You know, the little titles, each translation will have a different title above each chapter or chunk. Um, and that's what just kept coming up. So I was thinking about that, and as I was um, trying to look for something big um, for this past week with family, and it didn't happen, it wasn't until I came back that I was reminded of my father-in-law as the suffering servant. And I was reminded of all these ways that he just tended so quietly um, he was a janitor at a church for like 20 years. And most of the time, people didn't see him. They didn't see the things he did. He just swept the floors. He made sure everything, the chairs were set up so perfectly every week. People knew what to like expect, but they didn't know that it was him tending to all these things behind the scenes. And I mean, he just, he just did it. He didn't gripe. He didn't, he didn't ask for more. He didn't ask for more of a title. He didn't want, he just was like, you know, I'm just going to sweep the floors. I'm just going to sweep the floors. And that's something that I feel like God has been telling me to do. And, and I'm like, I don't want to sweep the floors. That's so boring. That's so, I don't even like sweeping. Barely like sweeping my own floors. I don't want to sweep the floors at scum. They're big. They're dirty. You know, I don't want to sweep, like it just, I'm like, uh, why? Why? And I was thinking about my father-in-law and how he just did this. And, and how even his whole life, he was ridiculed. Um, he was put down. He always, like, thought of himself as just uneducated and inadequate. And people would told him this, you know, his whole life. Um, but there was this way, this really beautiful way that God used him as he just quietly tended. And even though it seemed so small, it was so big. And when he, when he died, there was like hundreds of people that were like, oh, man, you don't know what he did for me. Like, oh, he, like, he bought me a birthday cake. I never had a birthday cake before. 
you know, like, oh man, he delivered groceries to me when, when I needed it the most, you know, he, he washed my car, you know, he fixed my car, he gave me money, he gave me you know, all these things that no one ever knew about, we never knew about, you know, and it was just this quiet little tending, sweeping the floors. Um, and so as we read Isaiah 53, and we just read it, I've been asking this question, what does it look like to be a suffering servant? What does that mean for us? And I think at SCUM, and maybe you can relate to this like I can, um, I feel like I know how to suffer. Like, I feel like a lot of us can relate to that. We can suffer, let me tell you. Um, sorrow? I know sorrow, you know? So I think we read that and we're like, we can kind of relate to it. Like, we can kind of read these verses, you know, this him being crushed, him being like, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. I felt that way. Despised and rejected. You know, like, I, I think each of us can relate to that on some level. But what does it mean to suffer in the ordinary? Or to be a servant in the ordinary? So I, as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of um, 1 Peter Chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. This is, this is when Jesus, this is the, um, after uh, washing the disciples' feet. No, sorry, pause, reverse. This is um, God saying again, like, it says, for you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor has any deceit in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously, and he himself bore our sins." in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Where am I at? Live to righteousness. I wrote it wrong. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were a continually straying sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. So no doubt... These passages, the first Peter and the Isaiah 53, they're talking about salvation, right? Jesus came to die for our sins. It's through our belief of his death on the cross that we are made clean and whole. We are made righteous through Jesus and what he's done for us. He did it in a way that was not kingly, though, right? You, um, we read this in several other passages where they expected this, like, royal king to come. You know, but Jesus came in the way that he did, in this lowly, humble manner, like a servant, which they didn't expect. And he was like a lamb brought to the slaughter. He wasn't resisting. He didn't fight back. And in fact, in Isaiah 53.10, it says, but the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. 
He did it this way so that we wouldn't have to. So then I think, and I pause, these are so much ponderings, and I have a lot of questions tonight. And some of them are rhetorical, or some of them are just thought-provoking things that I've been thinking of, maybe you'll think of as you go home tonight. Um, but why, then, this idea of following in his footsteps? What is this idea of suffering servant? And why does Jesus in John chapter 13 humble himself and wash the disciples' feet? And then ask his disciples to do the same. What does it mean to be a suffering servant? I am so, again, like for the big, you know, and I'm always looking for the big. I'm always, even in, you know, like I said in ministry, I'm like, oh, okay. Let me go tend to this person in crisis. Like, clearly, that's where God wants me. You know, oh, so they're struggling in their marriage. Like, it's about to fall apart. Let me go, let me go talk with this couple, you know. Oh, man, this person, like, needs a home. Let me, go, let me go see how I can help. This person needs money. Let me go see how I can help. This person just lost their job. Let me go see how I can help. Those are the things I look for, right? Those are the things that we usually think of, like, ah, okay. Let me serve you, God. I serve you. Here I am. Send me. But have you ever had God ask you to stay somewhere? Like, I'm always like, here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. And he's like, just settle down. <laughs> Sit still. That is so much harder for me because I am very comfortable with suffering because I'm very comfortable with sorrow because I've experienced so much. I'm so ready for that. I'm like, yeah, give it to me, Jesus. Come on. I got my sword. I'm swinging. I'm swinging. And he's like, put it down. Put that sword down. Have you ever had God ask you to stay somewhere? To stay in a place you don't want to be? Maybe a job that isn't very satisfying. You don't feel super fulfilled, or like you're doing anything big for the kingdom, you know, or wiping butts. Now I'm projecting. Now you guys are hearing my, my struggle, you know? Like, what about just listening to someone? And they're going on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And you're just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not really there to offer advice. You're not there to fix anything. You're not there to change anything. You're just listening. Am I really suffering? Sometimes I am. Sometimes it's hard to be still. And it feels, my, my mother-in-law said this to me, I was like, pondering I was like I don't know what God wants me to do like there's this thing in my life and I really want to do it you know and I, and and she, you know all these it's so easy for people to talk about boundaries right so important to have boundaries you know and that's such a trigger word for me because I feel like people get comfortable in their boundaries and I'm like yeah but God pushes us outside of our boundaries and to do things that are super uncomfortable and like you know sometimes you, it just gets messy you know and I had a friend who was like you know 
she, she used this example, it was a great example, and she's like, but if, if your house was being robbed and your neighbor's house was being robbed, you wouldn't have Aaron go to the neighbors and help, you know, and then leave you and your children defenseless. And I was thinking about it, I'm like, yeah. But then I wrestled with it, I was like, I don't like that, there's too many variables. Like, my neighbors are elderly, you know? They're like disabled. I would, I would tell Aaron, like, go help them. I got this, you know? Or, or if, what if it was like a widowed mother with more children and younger children just need to, I'd be like, go, go. There's too many variables in my head to think, you know? And it was all under this guise of boundaries, right? And I'm sharing this with my mother-in-law. And I'm like, so see, you know, like sometimes we, we just got to get messy and, you know, like do the things that we don't want to do. And, and she's like, yeah. She's like, but you're really comfortable with the messy. She's like, you're actually less comfortable with just sitting still and just tending quietly to things. And I was like, oh, you're so right. She's like, maybe God is, is, is pushing you outside of your boundaries in that regard to just be still, to not go chasing after the big things. Now, maybe God is calling you something, to something big, Maybe, he's, maybe you're too comfortable. Maybe you like being still. And you're just like, I'm, I'm just in my happy little home with my happy little trees, my happy little Bob Ross, you know? And I just, I'm just good. I'm good. Maybe that's you. And he's calling you outside of that, you know? Um, but for me, it's the boring that I really struggle with. It's sweeping the floors. It's washing feet, you know? Um, And I was thinking about this, I was reading as we were reading in Isaiah. I've been thinking about the life of Isaiah too. Here Isaiah is, in the middle of this divided kingdom, Wars breaking out all the time. And he's been called to, to deliver these messages from the Lord to these people, to God's people. And sometimes they listen. I mean, he had credibility. He had respect. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been able to talk to the kings like he did, as we read all throughout the book of Isaiah. Um, a scattered people, people all over the place. Multiple kings in his lifetime with different leadership styles. And some of them listened, but a lot of them didn't. And a lot of them rebelled. And I thought, what would that be like? Certainly Isaiah like had to feel at some point like, God, what's the point? What's the point in all this? And he was there for a long time, tending just reminding. Some of those things they saw fulfilled then. Some of those things they didn't see. He didn't see. God gave him a message. He didn't see Jesus die on the cross. He didn't see him come in that way. Some things are still yet to be fulfilled. Could you imagine what that's like? To be told something that's going to happen and not get to see it? That would be hard, for me at least. And so I've been thinking about these things. 
and what God is calling me to. I want to read the John 13 passage, 12 through 17. It's been up here, but I do want to read it. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. And here this is a picture again of Isaiah 53, of him coming down in this lowly, humble position, not kingly, you know, he's not wearing this, like, royal robe, and he's not just like, hey, I'm king of the universe, you know? He takes off his robe, puts on an apron, and washes their feet, and says, do this like I've done. It's really striking imagery. I'm, 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 I'm drawn to, to imagery. I, I'm very like sensitive. Um, dreams I remember, things I see on TV I remember, which is why I don't watch like R-rated things, because it just sticks. It never goes away. Um, so I'm very much like image sensitive. And so um, I'm imagining this, these things. You know, I'm, I'm imagining like walking through the life of Isaiah, I'm imagining what that would feel like, how he would feel. I'm, I'm even, I'm imagining Jesus, you know, putting himself in the position intentionally of this suffering servant, you know, dying on the cross and, and yet being pleased to do it, washing the disciples' feet and saying it has to be done doing these things that aren't um, glorious, yet the most glorious thing he ever did was die on the cross. And I'm imagining these things. And again, part of me is like, ah, I can do it. I can suffer for the kingdom. And then part of me is like, oh, but can can I really go through all of that? Um, and I don't know I really don't know some moments I think I can I tell Aaron some moments I feel like I'm like totally like just like walking in the freedom of what's already been done the completed work of Christ what have I got to lose who cares if I'm sweeping the floors or if I'm you know talking to hundreds of people sharing the gospel who cares you know, it's all an act of worship to the Lord. Sometimes I, I'm, I feel that. And other times I'm like, <laughs> but I don't want to. I don't want to do that. It's hard. 
It's hard to stay. And I'll be honest, like, I, I struggle with church. I struggle with, like, having to, to meet all these boxes. I struggle going to other churches. I'm like, I don't want to worship God in this way. I want it to be raw and authentic and genuine. I want to be able to just pray with people. Like I said, I want to see the big things. I want to see miracles. I, want to, I, don't, I don't want to have to worry about these, these different elements and programs. And, you know, I really struggle with that. And there's so many times that I'm like, you know, I tell Aaron, I'm like, can we just, like, start something new, you know? And he's like, but if we start something new, he's like, then how then you're just going to have this church over here that's still doing all the things you don't like. It's like, what about just being the change that you want to see? I always quote this, you know, like the, everyone wants a revolution, but no one wants to do the dishes. Right? Ugh. I hate doing dishes. I hate it. (laughs) You know? I don't mind putting them in a dishwasher, you know, because it's like, it'll do the work for me, but I hate unloading it you know, putting those issues away. I just do. I'm probably, I'm probably pretty lazy, is what it is. And God's dealing with me with that. Um, you know, and so I was talking to Aaron about this and how I'm struggling with this idea of church and, and wanting to do things differently. And he's like, then let's just do things differently. You know, he's like, why not just grab someone and pray with them, you know? It's okay. It's okay if you got to blow your nose in the middle of a sermon. It's okay. We don't have to be this put-together, polished thing, you know, as long as we're just for the Lord and for each other. And so I'm, I'm just, I, I have all these thoughts, and if, if you're, hopefully you're tracking with me. Hopefully I'm making sense. You know, because I'm like, God, help me put all these thoughts together. Um, but this, I'm, I'm walking through the, this, like, the imagery of this story of Isaiah 53, of, um, of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, of the life of Isaiah. I'm walking through it and asking God these questions of how to be a suffering servant in the mundane and in the ordinary, you know, how to sweep the floors. Um, and I, I saw this show recently, and it just it struck me. So as an image-sensitive person, it really struck me. It's, it stayed with me. Um, and I wanted to share a little clip with you guys. It's from this show called The Chosen. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, it's a crowdfunded show, and they walk through the life of Jesus, but um, mostly like the characters surrounding Jesus. So the disciples, um, you know, they have this really great um, episode of Nicodemus and of, of Matthew. They're just kind of like walking through their lives. Um, but in this clip, I just want you to just like, just watch it. It just really struck me. And actually, the whole episode, if you want to see it, I'll give you my login for this, or I'll let you borrow my DVD. Um, but it's a 30-minute show. I didn't want to show the whole 30 minutes, but just this little clip of just very ordinary, mundane. So let's watch this for a little bit.
Just leave him alone. Is he dead? Shh. Couldn't have waited half an hour, eh? Can we be around today? These are my other friends, and Joshua again. Shalom, Abigail's friends, and Joshua again. Shalom. Shalom. Can we be around today? I suppose, but I have some work to do. You might have to help. Good. How much longer are you going to stay here? Until it is time for me to go. When's that? Well, I have some work to do here. And some people to meet. And then I will know the right time. You seem nice. Are you dangerous? Hmm. Maybe to some. But no, not to you. And I won't harm anyone. Do you have friends? A few. And more to come. Abby said you travel a lot. Do you have a house? My father provides everything I need. Is your father rich? <laughs> Did Abigail tell you to ask me that? No. That is a question for another time. What's your favorite food? Oh, Joshua the Brave speaks. Hmm, I like so many different foods, but I especially love bread for many reasons. How are those spoons coming along, girls? Good? Ring. Is it tight? Yep. Almost? Almost. Okay. So tell me, do you all know how to pray the Shema? Yes. Oh, I would love to hear it. Pause it there. You lead us. Here is Ryan. So this, um, this show has the several clips throughout. Um, and, and there's a couple where he's like, this is... Jesus being portrayed, and he's just, he's kind of like stretching, you know, and he's just, and he's cooking, and he's dicing things up, and he's making things. The scene you guys saw was him making a lock and key, and so he's just kind of crafting, and then when he's done, he said, it is good, and, and, then, and then he's sleeping, and then these, these children, they find him at his camp, and they're very intrigued by him, and they're just following him around, and he just lets them be. And they wake him up, and he's, you know, tired, you know, wait a half an hour. Obviously, these things are, you know, not, it's not straight from Scripture. He didn't say this to a group of children from a tent, making a lock and key the night before, you know. But it's this idea of the character of Jesus. And then he's brushing his teeth, you know. And that, that like, struck me, you know. And then, and then they're back at the camp, and he's, like, working on some piece of wood. And they're all just kind of working on something and asking him questions. And the imagery of it all was just very, um, it, like, really struck me um, about the times that Jesus was just alone, even. The times that he was just tending quietly, doing these things, praying learning, growing, still brushing his teeth, you know, still eating healthy, still taking care of himself, still working, you know, all these like mundane, ordinary things. 
Um, and I just really liked it, and I, I've been thinking about it a lot ever since I saw it, and just asking the Lord what that means for me, and how can I do these things and steady on in just the everyday? How can I, how can I turn brushing my teeth into an act of worship? How can I turn going to the grocery store into an act of worship? You know, reading, um, walking, just everything. And even with my children, how can I take, you know, the next step with them? How do, how do I talk to them about you, God? You know, how do I do that? And he keeps, he keeps telling me, like, you're doing it. You're doing it. You know, like, I do not despise the little. And that's been so comforting for me. And I think I just wanted to share that with you guys. Um, as we wrap up the Isaiah 53, this idea, it is about Jesus coming and dying on the cross. That's all we need to believe in that. That's our, our righteousness comes from that. Our service even comes out of that. Everything we do and say comes out of that. And let that be the driving, you know, the motivator. Even in serving, even in, in, in your jobs, in your home life, in your relationships, let, let that be the motivator. And not focusing on whether, you know, we're doing it right or doing it big enough or doing enough. Like he says we are lacking nothing. He says we are enough because he is enough in us. Um, and so that's just my encouragement for you guys. And for myself, I'm saying these things, obviously, like this is stuff I'm working with, wrestling with, asking the Lord, pondering. You know, I, I told, um, I think, Jesse and, and you guys, the, like just a couple weeks ago about this sweeping the floor and, um, and how everyone's like, how are you doing, Kathy? I'm like, I'm perplexed. I'm so perplexed, but in a good way, in a really good way. Um, so I want to lead us into communion. And we've done this in the past where uh, we take the bread, take what you need, you dip it in the juice, we do have the gluten-free, and then take it and then serve it to the person behind you. So I want to do that tonight. I'll start us off. Um, and just like really take time to immerse yourself even if you have to close your eyes and think of the imagery of like what it's like, what it was like for Jesus to step down to, to break bread, and how we have that still, even now, with him, with one another. Um, and be reminded that you are lacking nothing, that we are lacking nothing. Um, so let me say a prayer first, and then I'll start us off with communion. We will have people in the prayer cave as well uh, during the last worship set. So if you need prayer, please go there, put it in the prayer box, whatever you need. Heavenly Father, triune God, thank you that you are enough in us. Thank you that you say we are enough and that we are lacking nothing and that you are all that we need. Thank you that you humbled yourself as a servant and you came down for us and that you're pleased to do it. God, would you show us what it's like to be a suffering servant for you? 
Would you show us what it's like to serve you in the ordinary, in the mundane, in the everyday? And God, I do ask for the big. And I ask that you open our eyes to what is big. Because maybe what's big for me is not big for someone else, but it is intentional and purposeful for me and for everyone. You say that your word does not come back void. Thank you, God, that you are so intentional and that nothing is wasted. Be with each of us this week. Remind us of what you've done, what you're doing, what you're going to do in the unseen and the seen. And keep tending like the good shepherd that you are. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.